0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Well, we're here week three of our annual Sabbath series. We did take one week off, and for me to... Uh, address what's been happening in our nation, but uh, last week we, we jumped back on board with this series, and today we're going to continue. Um, I do want to complain for a moment because somebody put on Facebook this morning that today was the end of our Sabbath and that he, he w- we would be breaking Sabbath today. Gene, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> it, and it, and it. He, you've already edited, I hope, I hope. We have one more Sunday. Next Sunday will be actually our last day of Sabbath. And so we will enjoy Sabbath throughout this week also. Uh, Let's review. Let's talk about where we've been. Uh, The first week of this series, I explained to you that after 11 months of quality ministry here at DCC, we are intentionally spending this month resting and being refreshed. Uh, That doesn't mean that we don't have to go to work. What we're trying to do is just to get everybody, including our church staff, is at 5 o'clock or whatever the normal quitting time is for you, go home to your families. Go home and relax, spend some time building those relationships. Also, during this month, we're doing some community building uh, events on on Wednesday nights for our church family. This week, we're at Bouncing Big, and so we're renting out Bouncing Big Wednesday night. We want all of you there to participate and be a part of that with us. And so anyway, we want you to participate in that. And and, uh, the first week, I spoke to you about the breath of life. And how important the breath of life is for us. Without the breath of life, Adam was a lifeless clump of dirt. But when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the Bible says he became alive. And as long as Adam stayed connected to God, he had breath. He had everlasting life. But at the moment that that Adam turned away from God and started making decisions without God's blessing, that's when he began to die. Um... Humanity has consistently run out of breath because we have consistently ignored our need to reconnect with God through Sabbath God's ordained Sabbath for our lives Psalm 46 and 10. He says be still and know that I am God And when we find stillness we find God when we stop to just breathe It is in that breath the breath of life that you will find God Sabbath is that spiritual resuscitation that we need for our lives second week I told you that we've got to learn to live for the here and now and stop worrying so much about the then and there. Because that's the problem with some of us. The reason some of us can't slow down, the reason we can't stop, is because we're so worried about the outcome and and we're, we're forgetting to enjoy the journey. And our priorities need to be balanced. Your priorities in life are what you invest the most in. You can say all day long that your faith, your spouse, and your kids are the most important things in your life, but your time, talent, and your treasure may say otherwise. And so the things that you invest in are the things that you prioritize. Proverbs 11 to 1 says that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus was experiencing a very busy day. As we talked about last week, it was a very busy Sabbath. And he was doing some great things on this particular Sabbath day. On this particular worship day, he he was performing miracles and things were great. From all appearances, it seemed like he was fulfilling what God wanted him to do. But Jesus had to get away from the crowd and get life back in balance. And his disciples went looking for him and they said, don't you know, everybody is looking for you. And I told you that even though people were counting on him, Jesus recognized the importance of of connecting with the father with no distractions. And we've got to do the same thing. We've got to realize that we need that in our own lives. And so when determining your priorities, look to God, not to people, God's priorities for you and people's expectations of you will seldom go hand in hand usually they are completely different so that brings us to today have you ever wondered why you have a little toe It's strange. I mean, it's something that you just usually don't think about. But, but your little toe doesn't seem to have uh, much of an importance in your life. I mean, all other toes, they seem to move when you walk. Try it. Uh, n- not right now, but later on as you leave. As you, as you walk, it doesn't seem like it serves much purpose because all the other toes seem to flex and move, but, but not your little toe. All the other toes are active. They support us just fine. So why did God give us the little toe? And the answer is for balance. Without your small toe, it's hard to be balanced. Matter of fact, if you were to lose your small toe, and maybe somebody in the room has, uh, we don't want you to show us right now, but, but you would have to go through rehab. You would have to go through some type of rehabilitation program, some kind of physical therapy to teach you how to regain balance, how to learn to balance again without the little toe because the little toe serves that importance. It provides the balance that you need to stand upright. And once again, this proves that it's the little things that can make the big difference. When traveling, and, and we were traveling this week, we, we chose not to fly to, to Nashville. And so we drove from, from Newberry to Nashville on Monday. And then well, again, we, we turned around and came home uh, Friday night. And, and, and these little things that when you're traveling, things that matter, tire pressure, tire pressure mat- matters. As I told you in the first week of this series, tire pressure, it, it matters. But another small important thing that, that has huge implications is fuel. Fuel. It only takes a small amount of your travel time. As a matter of fact, heading up, we only had to fill up, uh, fill up twice. And so it's only a small amount of your time, but you cannot go very far without fuel in your car. And the same is true about life. If you don't do the small things, you will not get very far. And, and the reason why every year I feel the need to preach about Sabbath is because the Sabbath returns us back to the small things of life that are vital for us, and that if you don't get control of that now, it will control you later. If you don't establish these positive habits in your life now as it concerns Sabbath, Later on in life, these things are going to take you out and you will not have a successful life. You will not have a successful marriage. You will not have a successful relationship with your children. You will not have a successful career for very long if you don't establish Sabbath and put the proper boundaries around it to sanctify it and to keep it holy. If somehow, some way I could offer to give you an extra day every week, would you take it? This is where you would respond, right here. If I could give you an extra day every week, would you take it? Yeah. I doubt there's anybody in this room that would say, Man, I, 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 I couldn't use an extra day. I just don't want it. Everybody in this room, we want that extra day. We always say, if I just had a little bit more time. Instead of just having Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday... Now you would have rock day. I'm giving you the day, so I get to call it whatever I want to. It's rock day, okay? Or rest day, however you But But what if that was the key? What if the only thing you could do on that day is anything that that does not pertain to work? What if I said, I'm going to give you a day every week and you can have fun on this day, you can eat on this day, you can fellowship on this day You can recreate on this day, but you cannot work or do anything work-related on this day. Would you still take it? Because the problem is we already have that extra day. That God already ordained that day. And at the beginning of humanity, God put a day of rest into the rhythms of our life. And if abided by, we stay connected with God and we stay connected with each other But I assure you that the same thing would happen with that extra day, if I could give it to you, that has already happened with the extra day that God gave to us, that if we're not careful, we would simply begin to work or create on that day when the Creator said, cease from working and rest on this day. I believe that the biggest reason why we can't consistently partake in Sabbath is because of our constant quest for success. Very few people in this room do not want to be successful. We all, including your pastor, I want to be successful. And our constant quest for success is what is enabling us to truly partake in Sabbath. Our desire to make more money makes Sabbath less than a priority. And it certainly makes Sabbath less appealing to us. Because if, if I back off now, if I back off for a day, who is going to get ahead of me in this race for success? Who is going to get the lead? I would be amiss if I did not use this opportunity in this series to talk to you about your checking account. I need to talk with you about your money. Now before you get scared and you check out, I don't want you to think, man, the pastor is about to preach to me about tithing and, and giving in the offering. I'm not. That's not what this is about today. So I'm not even going to cover that, though I could. I should and will in the future this message is not about what you give or don't give to the church although I truly believe that the blessings of Sabbath flow out of that that's not what I want to talk to you about today I think that we could all agree that we could rest a little easier if there was balance in our budget because the reason why some of you can't rest the reason why some of you have sleepless nights is because there is no balance in your budget. A balanced budget refers to a budget in which revenues are equal to expenditures. Thus, neither a budget deficit nor a budget surplus exists. I don't think any of us have a problem with a budget surplus. We would all thrive off of that, wouldn't we? The problem is very few people have a budget surplus in this life, especially in this country. Most people have that budget deficit operating at an average annual $500 billion deficit, our government is certainly not leading us by example. And don't worry, this is not a political message either. And we as Americans, we're following their lead. It's amazing to me how people will complain about the government and their spending, but yet they don't even have their household spending under control. Oh, it's one of those days, isn't it, where I'm going to step on your toes? It's been happening a lot lately. I don't know why, but... but. The average credit card debt for an American household is $15,762. The average... Understand everything I'm saying. The average household credit card debt, $15,762. This does not include auto loans, Mortgages or student loans that are considered by many to be secured debt But what is scary is that if it's an average for the nation It also includes family that have no credit card debt That means they're bringing that number down and that for many households that number is much higher It's scary to think how bad some households are out of financial balance At the McKinley household, we have no credit card debt and have not for years. Forgive me for rehashing some old examples, but I think it's only important, especially as new people come to our church, for them to realize standards that we can set for our lives. But let me tell you what happened to us. The first year of our marriage, we were living in a mobile home, double wide. It was a small double wide, but yet it was still good size for us. And it was during that first year that I wanted to build a porch onto the front of our mobile home. We didn't have the money to build the porch. We didn't have the money to buy the lumber. I didn't have the money to, to buy the nails that I would need. And so I went down to Scotty's. Anybody remember Scotty's? For some of you in the room, you have no idea what Scotty's it is. Before Home Depot, it was Scotty's. Before Lowe's, it was Scotty's. So I went down to Scotty's, and I had a credit card with about $1,500 balance on it. I loaded up, I filled up my little truck with lumber, nails, everything that you possibly needed to build this porch, and I maxed out this credit card, $1,500, maxed it out. Went home, built a beautiful porch that I will say 20 years later is still standing. We don't live there, but it's still there. I make sure I drive by it at least once a year to make sure that my work is still there and it's still standing, and so it is, it's still standing. Do you know it took us the next three years to pay off that porch? Interest rate was high on the credit card. It took everything. You know, sometimes there's just those months that you can't make an extra payment. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. That car payment was due last week and your goal at the beginning, you were going to pay $50 extra a month to pay off that car and you've done it twice in the last three years. I know, I know, I've been there. And we couldn't make extra payments. We were paying the minimal payment that we could get by with. And it took us three years to pay off a porch that we didn't even own anymore. One of the things that will drive you crazy is when you have children and, and you buy them stuff on a credit card for Christmas and two years later... You see it in a pile for the yard sale, and you're still paying for it. They're driving you crazy. This was a lesson that we learned early on in our marriage. And because of that credit card, only credit card that we've ever had in our 20-plus in our years of marriage, only credit card we've ever had, we paid it off, cut the thing up, and never applied for another credit card. Let me tell you what messes some of you up. You know, when you walk up to the register and you get to the register and they tell you, you will get 15% off of your order today if you will sign up for our in-store credit card. First of all, they're lying to you. They're not financing you. It says Sears on the credit card, but it's not them that are fi- that's financing you. You're going through a third party. Trust me. I know how this works. So they're lying to you to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. And they don't even know all the terms and conditions because she's just being paid to tell you right there at that register that you need a credit card to get 15% off that you're going to pay on for the next three to four years. At some point in time, we as Americans, we have to wise up and to realize we can't keep ridiculing government when we're doing the same thing in our households. We've got to get to the point to where we will say, I'm not going to be a slave to the lender is what the Bible calls us. I believe that one of the reasons why we cannot keep and observe the Sabbath properly is because there is no balance in our finances. Simply put, we work to finance our spending habits. That's why we go to work every day, to finance our spending habits. We want nicer things, so we work more. We, we want to take vacations that we can't afford, so we work more. We spend more than what we make and we, we find no rest from the snowball of bills that is rolling out of control. So what do we do? We work more. And this causes us to prioritize work above what God wants for our lives and what God wants for our families. And we need to learn to live within our means. That's one of the biggest problems in this nation right now. And the reason why we are under so much stress is because nobody is teaching us anymore how to live within our means. In Luke 14 and 28, Jesus said, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough, To complete it. In other words, Jesus was saying, count the cost first. If you can't afford it, don't build it. If the money is not there, simply don't spend it. It would do some of us some good to take a spending sabbatical. That's right. A rest from spending. Now, I really thought there would be men in the room, husbands in the room that would amen me right there at that moment. That I'm telling right here. The problem is in your mind you're doing it. You just don't, you're just not brave enough, are you? You just don't have the guts to say amen right now. But, but you know what I'm talking about. She's got more shoes and purses than she knows what to do with. And after church today, she's heading to the mall to buy more. The problem is, and the reason why some of you men can't say amen right there, is because your spending habits are as bad or worse than hers. Amen. <laughs> She's got more guts than you do. (laughs) Man, we just have a way of justifying our spending because when we want a new gun, we'll go buy a new gun because we're protecting the household, right? (laughs) Whatever, whatever. You got more guns than what you know what to do with. We've got a problem with spending. and For some of us, we need to step back and we need to take a spending sabbatical. As radical as that sounds, that's what we need. We need a spending sabbatical. So I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, "Give it a break." No, then give the credit card a break. Give it a break. Give it a break. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus 25. I don't teach a lot from Leviticus, though it is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It probably shouldn't be because it bores most people. It's a very strange book when you start reading through Levitical law that God gave to Moses. It's, uh, it's not um, very narrative in the way that it is written because it is a bunch of laws is what it is. Leviticus 25. I want you to hear what God has to say about the Sabbath year. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard, You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you and for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be for food. Just leave your Bible open there for a moment. I'm going to go ahead and warn you that at the end of this sermon, I'm not having anybody stand up. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hand as it comes to, to finances and what I'm preaching about today. I, I don't want to take the chance of embarrassing anyone. But I do believe wholeheartedly that, that God would have us balance our checkbooks to be good stewards of what he is blessing us with and to stop living life in excess. Because the enemy is keeping us bound and in bondage and and he is keeping us from experiencing what God wants to bless our lives with. The reason why some of you can't honor God with your giving is because you feel the stress of being overwhelmed by how much debt you have uh, incurred in your life. And so God tells Israel, he said, listen, that thing that you, that you use to provide food for your family, that field, the land, this is where you make your living. He says, for six years, I want you to cultivate that land. I want you to plow it. I want you to prepare it. I want you to plant seed. I want you to water it. I want you to do everything you can to cultivate that, to bring forth a harvest. And for six years, you can gather from that harvest. But he said, the seventh year, I want you to completely give that land a rest. I want you to give it a break. Just to be sure of what what he is saying here, he says what you will do during that seventh year, that you are going to walk by that field and the food that you need for that moment will be there. It will be plentiful. You will be able to walk by, gather what you need for that moment, for that meal or for that snack or whatever it is, and you will be able to use it for for that purpose. But do not go out there and gather in the harvest and store it away. Don't plant it trust me the old vines from last year the old plants from last year they are all going to bring forth enough fruit that every time you walk by you're going to have food for your table can you imagine us just taking a year off can you imagine us taking a year off and just saying God I trust you that last year's finances are going to be enough to cover this year's needs this year's finances aren't enough to cover this year's needs. We are living life so strapped in bondage financially. We are returning back to the days of, of Egypt where they had to work 24-7 to make brick for the Egyptians to use them as labor to build their monuments and their buildings. God brought them out of that land and commanded them in the Ten Commandments to observe Sabbath. And then Levitical law, he says, listen, when you get there, when you get to your promised land for six years, you will harvest. But on that seventh year, I don't want you to plant one seed. I want you to trust me that every time you walk by that old plant, there's going to be something there for you. And I just want you to to just relax and, and not work that field. It is a well-established agricultural fact that resting the land every seven years is best for the soil and that it improves crops from doing so. During this scriptural practice, there was no pruning, there was no planting, there was no attempt to kill insects or, or otherwise interfere with any natural processes in the field. The fruit was to remain in the field except for what you needed as you passed by. You would pick, or, or anyone traveling by that field could pick what they needed, and it was only used for eating, not for storing. And by this rest, the soil of that field was restored and revitalized. I, I read one commentary that said by allowing the field to go to weeds, the weeds of the field are given the opportunity to bring to the top soil the minerals from below and to revitalize the soil. You see, for us, we see a weed, and if you're like me, every time I walk by my flower beds, I'm plucking weeds out of it. For us, that seems catastrophic, allowing weeds into our our place of work, our place that causes us to be able to survive. Giving it that seventh year of rest, God says I'm actually going to use the weeds to revitalize the land to bring the proper nutrients back up to the top layer of soil. And even when they resume planting, there were still guidelines in place. I want you to look at verse 18 with me. Leviticus 25 and 18. He says, therefore, you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them. And then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year if we may not sow or gather in our crop? Now listen, that's pretty good. That's pretty good observation there. What are we going to eat the next year? Listen, if we didn't plant this year, what will we eat next year? Verse 21, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. So that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. He says, Listen, out of that one seed, out of that one seed that you plant for that particular plant, I'm going to allow it to produce fruit for three years. Verse 22: When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crops arrive. God made a promise. That he would bless the land so much in the sixth year that the residual blessing would uh, follow for the next two years and that they would eat from that particular seed during the sixth, seventh, and eighth years until they finally have a a harvest in the ninth year. Even when they resume planting, they would still be eating from the seed of the sixth year. Now, church, I want you to realize what just happened this is supernatural, this is a blessing. That's the kingdom of God. And the reason why some of us have such a hard time with observing Sabbath, is because Sabbath puts, puts our lives back into the hands of the creator. And it says, we, we trust your divine uh, supernatural lead more than we trust our natural. That's the reason why we have a problem is because we have a problem seeing things in the supernatural. But somewhere along the way, the Israelites stopped trusting God, and they started planting again in the seventh year. Now, this doesn't seem like a big deal to most of you in the room. You're like, well, I, I don't get it. I don't what, you know, it's just planting. They're just not trusting him with that, so they're still just working and all that. Uh, and, you know, so, so why is God so concerned with this? Always understand God wants your trust. That's what God wants for your life. He wants your trust. They decided that they could do better than God, and they started preparing the land, cultivating the land, planting the seed, watering it and and, and during the seventh year. And for 430 years, they did not observe the land Sabbath any longer. That means that there should have been 70 years during that 430 years that the land should have rested. And there came a point in time... That you can read about in Second Chronicles that God finally had enough and he allowed them to be taken into captivity. And get this the number of years they were in captivity equals the same amount of years that they did not observe Sabbath for the land. Seventy years. This was a big deal to God. I commanded you to let the land rest. Your crops later on are going to be bigger and better if you will let the land rest. Because of their disobedience, Jerusalem was burned. It was ruined. Many people were killed. There were were people that were taken captive to Babylon. Even God's beautiful temple was destroyed because of their disobedience to God. And then the Bible says that the land was allowed to lay desolate for 70 years. And the Bible uses these words to enjoy her Sabbath rest. Mother nature was getting her rest. Trust me when I say your fields need a rest. Your finances need a break. Some of you are so far in debt that it just seems hopeless. Again, you're looking at it in the natural. God is supernatural. What happens if you just start right now and allow God to do what God needs to do in your finances to balance your budget? We are living life out of control, out of control with our spending. And it's causing us to live out of God's will for our lives. Proverbs 22 and 7, I quoted it earlier. The borrower is a slave to the lender. You wonder why there's no peace in your home, no joy at your dinner table, no room for, for margin in your finances. You have, a simp- you have simply not allowed your finances to rest. And I'm telling you, they are begging. They are screaming out, give me a break. Let me rest. Give me some time off. We've once again returned back to slaves in Egypt. And the enemy will find any way possible to discourage you in your walk with Christ. <clears throat> and for many of you, it's through your finances. The reason why some of you, your marriage is struggling right now is because of finances. It's, it's, it's no mystery. The number one cause of divorce finances the enemy is stressing us out because we're not willing to give it a rest we're concentrating on keeping up with the Joneses we're so focused on what we can have next that we don't even enjoy what we have now I'm a blessed man. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I don't want anyone in the room to think that I do. I don't. There are some things that I really want in life, some things that are just carnal. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not what you're thinking. Like this one pair of Oakley sunglasses, I really want them really bad. And every time I go buy a sunglass hut or an Oakley store, I go and look at these sunglasses. My family will tell you, they're tired of me looking at these sunglasses. They're just ready for me to buy the things. I'm also a cheapskate, so <laughs> it's not as hard for me to let my finances rest as it is for some of you because I'm the guy that, that back in the early 2000s, it took me about two and a half years to buy a widescreen TV. It just takes me some time before I make a big purchase. And so for the last six months, I've been looking at these Oakley sunglasses that I want. Man, they're nice. They're nice. And I found them on sale one time, and that's when I should have bought them because now they're twice as much everywhere else I go. (laughs) Last Monday, riding down the road in my Jeep, Mandy and Kendall are with me. On Archer, hitting on Archer Road, middle of Gainesville. (laughs) All of a sudden, the belt on my Jeep breaks. I pull into a, a repair shop. Long story short, my water pump was gone. 480 dollars later, they get me back up and rolling. You know the first thing my mind does? Do you know how many pairs of those Oakley sunglasses I could have <laughs> bought for $480? <laughs> but let me tell you, if I was not disciplined with my spending, if I was not willing to give my finances a rest, I would not have had the money to pay that repair bill and drive out of there not owing anybody anything when it came to that repair. For some of you, that margin in your finances, that balance that you need, It's only going to come through discipline because you were undisciplined to get you in the situation you're in now. And you were undisciplined for for a long amount of time. And you want so badly just to be disciplined for a week. You know, I'm not going to have lunch or I'm not going to stop by the coffee shop all this week. And at the end of the week, I'm going to be out of debt. And you're deceiving yourself. It took years of being undisciplined to get you in this mess. It may take you years of being disciplined to get you out of this. But don't forget what God does when you give the land a rest. He allows it to produce fruit for the next few years. God will somehow supernaturally meet you. And I don't know exactly how long it will take... But I do know this, during that process, God needs to teach you how to live in balance when it comes to your finances. So if it's not happening right away, just realize God may be teaching you along the way so that you'll appreciate it more and you won't get back into debt when you're done. Balance. Now, I want to take the pastoral spiritual approach to this just for a moment, and then I'm going to close. There are things... That God wants to use you for in funding his kingdom. And because your finances are so out of balance, you don't feel like you can. I'm not going to preach on tithing. That's not where this is at. But I'm letting you know, if you feel so financially strapped that you can't bless the kingdom of God, something has to change. God does not bless us for us to hoard it up and just bless ourselves. God blesses us so we can be a blessing to other people. And the sooner that you realize that, the sooner that you are going to walk in his will and the sooner that you are going to walk in his blessing and the sooner that you are going to realize that life is satisfied in those moments of giving, not in receiving. You've got to get your finances balanced. That's God's will. That's God's desire for your life. Balance. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.